0: My name is J.D. Henning, and you're listening to Cheat the Camera, a podcast about short films and those who make them. Today, I'm talking with Ken Carlson about his proof-of-concept film uh, about Dungeons & Dragons, and uh, it's a really fun fan film. Uh, It kind of feels like this is Spinal Tap for people who are more interested in D20s than in... Uh, Hard Rock. I think it's a really fun little project and Ken's been taking it out to film festivals recently And I thought that it would be a great time to chat with him uh, Let you get to know a little bit about him about his project. So Ken Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, talk a little bit about uh, your project?
1: Hi, JD uh, thank you thank you thanks for having me and uh, I love that you noticed the, uh, the the sort of the spinal tap uh, connection because <laughs> uh, enter the mind dungeon is absolutely mockumentary and you know you can't do mockumentary without being inspired by the works of Christopher guest um, and uh, you know he's got a long legacy of, of making that kind of film and uh, so yeah that was essentially what we were trying to go for with with enter the mind dungeon um, so I've been I've been making TV and films, writing, directing, um, producing in some capacity since the late nineties. Um, and I started with sketch comedy, uh, sketch comedy TV show on public access here in Olympia, Washington, and then, uh, gone on to make feature films. And then finally this, uh, enter the mind dungeon thing came up, uh, Maddie Burdick and I, wrote the script and it was a feature length mockumentary about adults addicted to playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and then this comes out of a lifelong love of tabletop role playing gaming, uh, specifically Dungeons and Dragons uh, for mm-hmm. both Maddie and myself. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, we started shooting individual character pieces in I think the summer and fall of 2019, got everything put together finished shooting in early January, or January 2020. And then that uh, set the stage for us with that proof of concept material to launch a crowdfunding campaign, raise the money we needed to shoot the feature. Mm -hmm. And then this thing happened in March of 2020 that you probably (laughs) know about. And uh, so we ended up not shooting a movie in the summer of 2020. Right. We were, you know, all sitting at home. Um, But anyway, so I started submitting the short proof of concept uh, film out to a bunch of film festivals and we just won Gen Con 2021's best gamer film. Yeah, and congratulations
0: on that That's really exciting.
1: Thank you. No, I'm so stoked. It's Gen Con. That's like the gaming festival.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I've I've been to Gen Con once before and uh, for those who haven't been it is it is, it's something else. That's that's really exciting. So why do you think your project connected with the fans at Gen Con as the way that it did?
1: I think there is sort of, it, it comes from a place that when you watch it, you know that the people that wrote it uh, are familiar with the source material. Okay. I, I think it's, uh, it's pretty clear when you watch it that Maddie and I are both like die hard Dungeons and Dragons geeks and have been. I mean, we've we've both played pretty much every edition of of D anD D that there is to play. <laughs> uh, loved and or hated it. Um, and we're so we're essentially making fun of ourselves with this movie. Um, and we decided to take it a step further and add add some elements of you know what if these what if these people were really addicted and and couldn't quit because you know we always joke about right. being addicted to games and stuff like that. Like I had actually you know I, I don't know if you know but like diablo 2 has recently been remastered and come out and Right, like, I, I can't right. touch it cuz i had a severe diablo 2 addiction uh, <laughs> many years ago so i just i can't go anywhere near it so what if this like this you know video games can really be addictive what if dungeons and dragons were addictive and what if it were an actual illness right and so this character decides to start this study and that's kind of how the the film starts with this is a study that this guy's doing to figure out why these people are addicted to dungeons and dragons. Eventually it evolves into something a little greater where he's actually a mad scientist experimenting on these people <laughs> and they have to learn to work together as a dnb and d party to overcome their, you know, their differences and their flaws and basically defeat the mad scientist. I love
0: it. Oh, that is, that is excellent. That is just perfect. I, I, uh, yeah. And I know that you're uh, still submitting this to film festivals, but I hope at some point you'll you'll kind of let the whole world see the proof of concept because it certainly is fun, and even even in the those fifteen minutes, you do get to see the characters start to evolve and the roles that they play start to kind of expand outside of, well, he's just the, the documentary and filmmaker to, Oh, he's clearly hitting on all of the women there. And I, yeah, that was, that was great. It was a really, it was, it was nice. And there, there are just some really fun lines in there. I don't, I don't know where they come from if, uh, if I hope that they're not from personal experience, but uh, one of the characters is talking about, I believe the, the Dungeon Master and how she originally met him on on like an A message board or something like that for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is obviously you know deep, deep inside the whole of fandom already. and she right. she said that his descriptions of neck biting were the best, which is, oh, just a beautiful, beautiful line. right
1: uh, Absolutely.
0: Yeah, so why don't you uh, talk a little bit about the process of writing this uh, with your with your co-writer Maddie Burdick? Uh, how how did that process work for you?
1: Um, it, it's very interesting, and and uh, so it, I'm really good, I think personally, at responding to stuff that is initiated by someone else. So mm-hmm. Maddie sent me, uh, I think, I want to say, ten to twelve pages that were like the first 12 pages and he's like, this is an idea. I think it's kind of cool. Maybe we could do something with it. And I think he was just thinking of a, a short film. Right. Uh, and then I took it and I read it and I was like, I love this. I'm totally inspired. And I think over like the next two days, I wrote like 40 pages. Oh, wow. Uh, and, I, and I just like every once in a while, like something just, you know, lights a fire. Or there's an inspiration. Uh, you know, I, I used my inspiration die, I guess. Um, and, and wrote forty pages. And then I sent it back to Maddie, and he was kind of overwhelmed. He was like, "Oh my gosh, I hadn't anticipated it going in this direction. Uh, give me a few days. I need to think about this. Um, and I, and I think he might have been a little worried that he was kind of losing uh, the helm uh, as it were, of the project. Mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but we worked through that. And then he added, you know, twenty to thirty more pages and sent it back to me. And then it just kind of snowballed and I was like, I was like, dude, we we have a feature film here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and we went through it and and we worked it. So with Maddie and I, it wasn't really, we don't really write together as much as it's like a tennis match and we, and we lob it back and forth. Right. Um, We both have very different styles, I think of, of jokes and what we think is funny. Um, And I think that the blend uh, is great because if it's all one kind of joke, eventually it gets stale. Right. Like I think you need slapstick in there. Right. Um, Like you said, like the descriptions of neck biting and the where he says, uh, you know, we played Vampire the Masquerade, which was pretty much just going out to bars and pretending to be vampires. (laughs) Um, That's like Maddie Uh, style comedy. And then we're we're like, I brought in like the whole, the orderly tasing um, the characters, like, because I was like, I want to see some action. I want to see some slapstick. Um, But yeah, so uh, gosh, writing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. The, the sort of metaphor of a tennis match lobbing back and forth, I, that's really fascinating. And I I imagine that would really get some very different voices and sensibilities into your project, which hopefully kind of meld into a a stronger alloy than either of the individual parts on their own. Uh, Speaking of the tasing, I, I was wondering how did you film that without actually electrocuting anyone?
1: Uh, gosh, I don't remember how the heck, I know, I don't remember. There was, uh, someone on set, I think, uh, probably, uh, Sean Driscoll, who was our art director mm. on, on Into the Mind Dungeon. I know he was in charge of the taser. Um, so I, 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 am going to, I'm going <laughs> to say that I will, uh, believe that he had done his due diligence in making sure that no one was going to get hurt.
0: Absolutely. Um, <laughs>
1: but there was a little blue light on it wasn't there which would yeah seem to indicate there were batteries because i don't remember adding that in post
0: yeah I, I when i saw it i thought wow that looks very convincing and then i thought for a moment oh i hope i hope they didn't and then i thought no of course right. they didn't
1: well uh, yeah. it, it, i know it, no one got shocked like no one got hurt so um <laughs> so there you uh, go worked out it didn't work out and it was a couple years ago i don't remember the specifics of how we dealt with that i know that that was a very long day
0: yeah i and i gotta imagine uh yeah that uh, i know i've done a few interviews with uh people who got their project and made it before the pandemic and this sort of collective madness that has been the pandemic experiences as uh, has essentially wiped out any sorts of normalcy that essentially anyone has had, uh, so this might be a little bit hard for you to answer, but uh, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the production experience. It sounds like you kind of shot it in blocks with some of the the key talent and then maybe had a few filming days together with everyone. Why, why don't you talk a little bit about the production experience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so what we did is is, and this is, I mean, this project is, I think, inherently challenging at a micro budget level because mm-hmm. our core cast is so big. Mm-hmm. Like we've got, I think like six or seven main characters. Yeah. Um, like that, that, that is just like already a difficult bar, mm-hmm. especially when you have scenes that require all of them being uh, in one location at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of the way we set that up, approaching the proof of concept was that we were going to have one day where we shot, A variety of scenes from the script where everybody's together gathered around the gaming table right so that was one long day and we rented out the Eagles Club in Olympia for one day to shoot that scene okay and I think it was scheduled probably at least a month in advance if not two months just to make sure that everybody could get the day right Um, cast and crew and then and then the other ones were you know we're working with one of the principal cast and then uh, a secondary character that's like the, that, that character's partner or whatever. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Those were easier to set up because we only needed one or two actors. Right. Um, you know, plus the interviewer character. Right. Um, and, and, and so a lot of that is just basically sitting down with a calendar and, and emailing people about their availability. Uh, one of the things I do when producing stuff like this is, is I send out a calendar and I say, let me know which days you cannot shoot Mm. Uh, and then and then kind of go from there to to build a schedule um
0: yeah that makes sense and it seems like as is often the case on very small budgets uh you had a skeleton crew so why don't you talk a little bit about uh how you decided who to work with and uh and how you managed to wrangle you know i'm sure some very busy uh talent and some very busy crew in order to in order to make that happen
1: yeah um so we we were doing a uh i I have a sort of a very small core team of people that have worked together on a number of projects over the past few years Mm. uh sean driscoll and sabrina rose and myself and i think that the three of us have been collaborating since uh, a feature film called penny palabras that we made back and i want to say 2017 or 2018, Okay. Oh, kind of blurry. Um, and then we made a, a comedy pilot called, uh, sitcom pilot called Roscoe the Junkyard Cat. Um, and we would do regular meetings where we talk about projects, um, mm-hmm. brainstorm kind of where we want to go and what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And Sabrina particularly is very well connected in the independent film community. Mm-hmm. And I utilize a lot of the relationships that I've built on past projects. Um, mm-hmm. I think in Enter the Mind Dungeon, most of the actors I've worked with previously. Okay. Um, and, I, and I try to cultivate good relationships so that, you know, when I have a new project upcoming, I say, hey, would you like to work on this new thing? And and usually the actors are like, heck yeah. Um, so like Tabitha Bastian, Alyssa Kay, um, Amelia Sampson, I've worked with, with all of them before um, Enter the Mind Dungeon. And... And as far as crew goes, we we have uh, a couple connections, you know. And, and uh, you work with people. You like working with people. You, you know someone who's got a certain um, sort of what do you call it? Uh, the way they see things. Like we uh, mm-hmm. brought on uh, Leo King as the director of photography, mm. um, because uh, there's a certain way that he sees things that I thought would be a good addition to the project. Um, Gosh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's, it's really just about forging relationships.
0: Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you're located uh, sort of in the greater Seattle area, if we generalize a little bit, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm in Olympia.
0: Okay, great, yeah. And so I imagine that particularly if you're not in one of the big filmmaking centers, if you're not in Los Angeles or Atlanta or New York, then developing good relationships with uh, with people in your area is kind of critical because you'll end up seeing them again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, for better or worse, uh, Olympia is a is a small town, mm-hmm. and you're gonna if you're gonna work with people in Olympia, you're gonna be working with a lot of the same people. Um, and I know we found our team over the past few projects, like casting calls, for example if we just put them out in Olympia, we don't, we don't get a lot of response. We Mm. don't get a lot of feedback. We actually have to reach out to the greater Seattle area. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of our actors end up driving uh, down to Olympia from Tacoma or Seattle to work on projects with us. It's just the more population you have, the greater the pool of talent there is. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. That seems to be, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, And so. Moving on from the process of, of production, let's talk a little bit about what post-production was like for you. Uh, how did you wrangle that? And uh, how did you come to the project in its state that it is in now?
1: So I think uh, the, the short proof of concept piece was little scenes and sequences taken directly from the feature script. Mm-hmm. and we had so much material because we shot individual character pieces Mm -hmm. it's it's i could probably put those individual character pieces together and create almost a feature length out of just that (laughs) but um so the the short proof of concept that i sent you that you've seen as it is right now is almost exactly as it appears in script form
0: okay um
1: we had so much improvisation on set that is like solid gold Mm -hmm. but i wanted to keep this just really by the book um, and so that was kind of how I set out to edit, um, which was frustrating and challenging at times because like, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of jokes that that come up improvisationally that are just killer to me. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's, that's part of the, the having such a solid foundation in the script and then having such really great actors on your set is that when you have like James Clark who played the interviewer, mm-hmm. uh, and Alyssa Kay, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're just going back and forth. Like once again, it's that tennis ball thing and, and, uh, and the, and the classic rule of improvisation, which is yes. And, um, mm-hmm. so, so they, they're turning out great stuff that was never scripted. And, and I, I disciplined myself to not include that and just to keep it by the script. And that other stuff is, is sort of in, uh, in a bank that i can draw on later if i need to um
0: right that makes a lot of sense uh did you uh, so in the editing process it sounds like you did the assembly yourself
1: yes i did uh all of the editing myself
0: yeah that's a sounds like a a great way of making sure that the edit comes together the way that you want Uh, and were you doing the editing during the pandemic as well
1: no, I think pretty much by the time let's see, what March 2020 is when the uh, the, the 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 stuff really hit the fan. I think mm-hmm. the the cut was pretty much done at that point.
0: Okay, gotcha. Well, that's great because
1: we were we were using we were gonna I was gonna use that to uh, as a part of the crowdfunding campaign to raise the financing to shoot. I mean, we were already blocking dates for the summer. Mm-hmm. We were already booking venues for the summer um, because you know when you're when you're shooting a A feature film with seven principal characters and and a dozen tertiary or secondary and tertiary characters you got it you got to like you got to book it months in advance yeah that makes um, yeah
0: that makes sense yeah
1: luckily we didn't like hadn't put any deposits down so Mm -hmm. didn't lose any money but Mm -hmm. um, and you know the whole the whole thing's been challenging for everybody
0: yeah yeah i i mean this is a this is a podcast about entertainment, people who make it, and people who enjoy it, so we're not going to talk a, a lot about it, but I'm sure for all of us, there have, been, there have been much greater difficulties than just our favorite television show coming out a little later. Right, uh, the absolutely. pandemic. Yeah, seems to do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, your, your plan for Kickstarter if you, uh, and what your, what your approach is with that.
1: Um, well, it was interesting. At that time, I had never done a crowdfunding campaign before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had very little experience going into it. Um, and I think that the budget that I had drafted was beyond anything that I had ever worked with budget wise. Hmm. Okay. Um, so I was kind of skeptical that we were going to be able to do it. And we were our our team was trying to figure out ways that we could approach this uh, to, to cut the budget. Right. Because it was it was already huge, but but we thought you know there's enough of us on board. If everybody you know promotes this and chips in, we we might be able to do it. Mm-hmm. We can you know we can raise this money. But one of the first things that we decided as a, as a way to try to uh, sort of cut the budget down was not to pay ourselves. Um, mm. And that was so a goal for me going forward with this is like you know you go from making films with your friends Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm. and nobody gets paid anything Mm -hmm. Um, and that was kind of the way I had done it for a long time and then I started giving people gas money and feeding people Mm -hmm. and then eventually I worked up to paying the actors Uh, Mm -hmm. so like Penny Palabras was the first film uh, that I made where all of the actors were paid Mm. none of the crew were paid Mm -hmm. so the next project was uh, Roscoe the Junkyard Cat all the actors plus all the crew except for like the core production team Right. Um, We're paid. Okay. And then on this one, I was like, we have to pay everybody. We have to pay ourselves. Um, Right. And and we agreed that we were going to pay even like even me uh, and even like Sabrina and Sean and and Leo, everybody's going to get paid. It's only going to be minimum wage, but we're at least we're going to pay everybody that way. Right. We're not just doing this for free because. Right. Eventually we have to figure out a way to make this so that it's not just a hobby. We have to, we're trying to turn this into a business that's, you know, sustainable. Right. Um, however, including paying ourselves even at minimum wage, like inflated the budget Mm -hmm. huge. So we were talking about, you know, Hey, we, we won't, we don't need to get paid. Right. We can, we can do this for free. Um, gosh. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know it's a labor of love when paying yourself is the stretched goal on a on a Kickstarter.
1: <laughs> right, and that's and that's probably a great idea that I didn't even think about because I'd never done a crowdfunding campaign. Right. But like paying the, the talent and booking the venues and and all the props and stuff could have been, you know, the main goal, and then paying ourselves could have been a stretch goal.
0: So, did you end up running that Kickstarter campaign? We did not. Gotcha. So it sounds like you have uh, you have some ideas uh, waiting in the wings. What what is next for Enter the Mind Dungeon?
1: Uh, so right now we're, I'm still waiting on word back from a few festivals uh, uh, about whether or not it's going to show there. There, there is a website, EnterTheMindDungeon.com, where people can go and check out uh, some of the individual character uh, uh, pieces and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, And you can you can join the mailing list there and find out when the short proof of concept is going to be screening Um, With Gen Con it screened uh, Not only in Indianapolis at the festival, but but it also screened online via the fantasy network Mm. Um, So a a lot of festivals are going a hybrid route because Mm -hmm. of the challenges presented by you know quarantine and the pandemic Which is kind of cool, right? Um, It's a nice evolution of the concept of the film festival. I think
0: yeah, Uh, yeah for sure
1: so at this point, and I kind of moved on to other things in, in 2020 because I couldn't really go out and make movies. I started uh, finally uh, self publishing comic books that mm. I kind of put on the back burner for 20 years. <laughs> um, and so right now I'm actually very focused on finishing a four issue limited series of comic books, and, I'm, and I just finished the third issue. So I got one more to go. Once I wow. finish that back, once I finish that up, I'll probably dive back into movies.
0: Yeah, it um, sounds like you have a lot of. Uh, creative goals and intentions.
1: Yeah, I do. And it's, it's, uh, it's really, honestly, man, it's the only thing that keeps me sane. Um, yeah. If I'm not writing or, or, or filming or drawing or playing music, um, I just, I'll lose my mind, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I understand that. There were definitely days, many days, uh, possibly months or even perhaps years during this pandemic where the fact that I, I had a project in the offing, something that I was working on kind of allowed me to just keep on plowing through the the sort of dull horror of living in the midst of a pandemic. I So I totally understand that. Um, well, I'm, I'm wondering, I know that there are a lot of other people who might be super fans of tabletop role playing games or skateboarding or craft beer, and they might have an idea similar to yours where they're a mega fan, and they want to make a project. For somebody in that sort of position, what advice would you give them?
1: Well, the first, the first bit of advice that I would have is to say, you can do it. Mm. Just um, It helps to get organized. Mm. Um, but get yourself and some friends together. Everybody's got a camera now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I, when I first started making stuff back in the late nineties, everybody wasn't carrying a camera around in their pocket. Mm -hmm. Uh, but now everybody's carrying a camera in their pocket, Mm -hmm. which is at least, uh, probably three to four times the quality of the best cameras that were available to me back then. Right. So you can make a film, you can make a short film, you can make a feature film, um, you can do it. Make sure you have a good script. That's that's where that's the foundation that everything else is built on. Mm-hmm. And uh, so write, write a lot and then do it and pay attention to your sound. Get good audio. Uh, and that was a mistake that I made for a long time. And I look back at my body of work from the earliest days and the writing I think is is, is there for for the comedy sketches. Mm-hmm but the audio is just so awful hmm. that no one's gonna, no one's gonna watch something with bad audio. And so at this point with the technology that we have, there's no excuse for bad audio.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so it sounds like, and, and it seems as if, you know, you've been doing this for a while. Your most ambitious project is not your first project. Uh, it's, th- it's your most recent project uh i imagine that and you know particularly for for somebody who's not in one of the you know not in los angeles or i guess even somebody who is in los angeles you you want to be working with people in order to in order to develop those good creative relationships
1: yeah absolutely um and, and this was a struggle for for me for a long time but uh, networking is you know, networking and building relationships is how you get anywhere doing anything like this.
0: Yeah. yeah. And
1: I was, unfortunately, uh, throughout most of like my 20s and even into my 30s, I was just this angry, angry guy that thought that uh, this should be a meritocracy and this should be based on the quality of my work rather than the relationships that I forge. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I guess, a late bloomer or an idiot who takes a long time <laughs> to learn things. But I finally figured out, you know, at 43 years old, that uh relationships you know who you know matters more than what you know and it's not necessarily a bad thing because no one wants to work with a jerk
0: absolutely no one (laughs) wants to work with a jerk it even rhymes
1: doesn't even matter how good you are no one wants to work with you if you're insufferable
0: yeah yeah no that that really is true well i that's most of the questions that i have for you ken uh i'm wondering Where can people find you or get in touch? Where can people find Enter the Mind Dungeon?
1: So Enter the Mind Dungeon, you can find at Mm. enterthemindungeon.com. You can find me at kenzofkc.com. That's my website. There's information about uh, my filmmaking, my comic books, other stuff up there. Um, And yeah, I'm going to be at the Grit City Comic Show uh, Saturday, October 9th. I don't know when this podcast is going to come out. Um,
0: probably after October 9th, but <laughs> okay. regardless, um,
1: but also I'll be at the King con in Renton on October 30th and 31st.
0: Excellent. Excellent. I'll have Great. Comic
1: books for sale there. Well, that's, that's
0: really exciting. Well, thanks again, Ken. And, uh, thank you all for listening to cheat the camera. Please comment and rate cheat the camera on iTunes or whatever listening platform you use. It's the best way to help spread the word. Uh, You can get in touch with me by contacting me at cheatthecamera at gmail.com. And thank you for listening.